Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. So glad to be here today. So glad you're here with us today. You braved the cold. You're doing it. Well done. Our worship team went to a worship conference this weekend. I heard it was really good, which I think it was one of the reasons worship was so good today, right? Amen. Um, so we're starting a new series. This will be a short series. So I'm going to preach it today. I'm going to preach it again in two weeks. Next week is RFK Sunday. So today and then in two weeks and then it's done. So if you miss this weekend in two weeks from now, you know, you missed it. So, or if you get this week and not here in two weeks, you missed 50%. So, uh, all right. There won't be a test, though. I mean, spiritually, maybe. But, all right. <laughs> so, you ever heard that term, resting face, like a person's resting face? You know that one? There's, a, there's another term, but we're just going to stick with the resting face term. <laughs> um, and, and, and for the longest time, Growing up and into my 20s, I had a not positive resting face. People just thought I was mad or angry. I was a youth leader. I helped in youth group. And, and I remember my wife, we got married. Man, I don't know why she married me. I looked unhappy a lot. And I wasn't. I just had that resting face. I just had the, I looked like, you know, don't touch me, you know, uh, he might have a knife. That's how I looked. But, but give it time, like anybody got to know me, like that wasn't me at all, but it was just my face. And I, I'm blessed to be married to my wife. That, she was just up here if you don't know who she is. And she, she very much has the opposite. She has a smiling resting face. If she has a face that's not happy, it's because she's not happy, right? If I have a face that says I'm not happy, I... I might just be playing sports themes up here. Don't, don't think anything, okay? And so, so early in our marriage, I remember, you know, I, I was like, well, I want to be real. I don't want to be fake. And my wife would be like, you know, but it's okay to choose joy. It's okay to put a smile on your face sometimes. It's okay. It's, it's okay. You don't want to look crazy. You don't want to be like, I'm happy, you know, you don't, want to, you don't want that resting face, you don't want like clown resting face, just, just, just joyful, just a level of uh, God is good and, and he's with me and he loves me, and I, I just began to change some of that, but I also began to like check my heart in life, and so there was one specific girl in our youth group, and her name was Martha, uh, I don't know if she'll see or watch this, she, she still lives up in Madison, Wisconsin area, but I remember, I just really had a heart for her. She came from, uh, she was the daughter of a single mom, only child, um, and uh, just a tough, uh, tough road. She'd had a tough road, but loved her, cared for her. She loved the Lord. She grew up in that church, and uh, somewhere around 13, 14 years old, I think, one day as I'm walking out of a youth group or church, it's just her and I in the room as I'm walking out, and I said, hey, and I felt like prompted by God, I'm like, you don't think I hate you, do I? 
<laughs> because I was told by my wife in love, you know, if you don't carry the right face, some people can think you hate him. And everybody would be like, that's stupid. Like, which is the greatest response to that statement, right? Um, <laughs> ironic. And, and sure enough, she, you know, nobody's going to be like, you know, I do think you hate me. Nobody's going to say that, right? Nobody's going to respond with that. But she responded with, no, no. And I, and I just was like, well, I don't. I don't. I, I actually think the world of you. I think really well of you. And I, I just gave her some encouragement. And that began something in her life and mine. But fast forward about 10 years from that, right? Many years. I ended up moving away, but I'd stayed in her life. She's getting married. She calls me, and she says, because she doesn't know who her dad is. She said, would you walk me down the aisle? And it's amazing, had, yeah, I mean, just awesome. She's married now. She has, she's got three kids. She's doing great. She loves the Lord. Her husband's an awesome, awesome man of God on the worship team, great singing voice, just, just awesome family. And I just think that had I let her, you know, had I let other people's judgments of me or my judgments of what I should or shouldn't be, you know, or, or left her judgment to herself, none of that would have happened. It would have been, right, it wouldn't have been right. Don't get me wrong, I, I think she still would have served the Lord, I don't believe that. But it's just a neat thing that God did in our life, you know, in my life. It's so cool. And what I tell you is Jesus preaches on this topic in Matthew 7 in the Beatitudes or the Sermon on the Mount. Not the Beatitudes, but the Sermon on the Mount. And in this Sermon on the Mount, it's probably Jesus' longest sermon, maybe 20 to 30 minutes. And if you're like, great, don't preach longer than Jesus, I would say, well, I'm not him, so you're going to be here a little longer. <laughs> okay? <laughs> um, uh, not a lot longer. you know, But... In there, Jesus kind of upends some of what society believes about what you can and can't judge and what you can and can't think. At this point in time, Jesus walks into the, the Jewish society of these people of this time. Judgment was their thing. They were good at it. The leaders of the Jewish people were Pharisees, and they were really good at judgment. They were phenomenal at it. And you can see that because watch Jesus' life and ministry, he rebukes them a lot. He calls them out often. And, and he basically says, like, this is really wrong, right? How many of us remember the, the story of the, the woman who's going to be stoned to death, and Jesus steps in and is like, no, uh-uh. And, and nobody else is throwing stones, I'm not throwing them at you, throwing them at you either. Nobody's, nobody's killing you today for your sin. And... Jesus just isn't a big fan of anybody else sitting in the place of judgment than God the Father. But what does that mean? Because Matthew 7 has a few different, that whole sermon, further along in that sermon, it actually talks about judging a tree by its fruits, which we're going to talk about in two weeks. <laughs> so if you're like, when can I judge somebody? You're really excited to judge somebody. Come back in two weeks. I'll tell you when. Okay. But, but for this week, we're going to go ahead and move that right out of the way over here. <laughs> okay. Um, and so for this week, I am really sorry about that. I'll reimburse that, Tony. <laughs> I'll pay you back for that, I promise. 
This one, I barely use this one, like once a week. So, so don't judge me. Okay, so Matthew 7. Matthew 7, let's go there. Let's read it together, all right? Um, and Jesus teaches us, do not judge others and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treated others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite! First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls, then turn and attack you. Let's pray before we keep going. God, I pray that you just minister your word to us, that we understand what you're saying, that you are exalted and lifted high. You change us from the inside out. You change mindsets. You change paradigms. And you'd renew us and refresh us today. Let us leave this place better than we came in. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing, what is judgment? What does that mean? Don't judge me. That's a big popular phrase, right? Don't judge me. How dare you judge me? And yet, the irony is all the ones who are saying don't judge are the same ones that, you know, every day online, somebody else is Hitler, right? You're, that, they're Hitler and they're Hitler. Like, it's unbelievable. I can't, can we go on social media any given day and not see just a massive level of hatred and toxicity and anger? I get so tired of it. And don't get me wrong, I'm for discernment. I'm for calling out lies with truth. And I'm, I'm for saying, hey, we got to be better and this is wrong. You know I'm all for that. If you spent any time here, you know that. But what I'm not a fan of is saying they're stupid, they're evil, they're this, they're racist, they're uh, phobic, in, insert your phobic word here. Right? Whatever it is, I'm... Why? Because that is judgment. The irony of the days where we're supposed to be the most accepting, tolerant of all the things, we are the least tolerant. We are the least understanding, we are the least, we are more judgmental now than I think we've ever been. We're unbelievably so. The only thing we're not doing is, you know, burning people at the stake and hanging them, you know, um, from nooses and things. Thank God we're not doing that. But what we are doing is digitally burning them at the stake. We're deplatforming them. We're, we're removing, we're getting, we constantly, so Jesus is rebuking that, and he's saying, this isn't okay. Let me, let me, let me just sum it up this way. Here's what this means, what this term means, judgment. Judgment is determining someone's heart motivation or eternal position. Let me explain what that means, their heart motivation. We are determining where they're coming from and their intent when we determine their heart motivation. You know, if you ever had somebody cut you off in traffic and you're like, oh, man, I knew it. I just, they're the worst. I can't stand them. That person is evil. <laughs> you know, like, and, and there's times they probably didn't even see you, Right? 
where you like said somebody like scratching and they're in traffic and they're scratching their head and they're using the wrong finger and you're like I can't believe they flipped me off and they're not we just determine their heart motivation that's what I'm talking about or eternal position eternal position means where they're spending eternity they're going to heaven they're going to hell now look again Romans 7 later on, uh, Romans, uh, Matthew 7 later on, we do understand the fruit of somebody's life. If somebody says, I'm an atheist, you can be pretty sure they're not on their way to be with Jesus for eternity. It's probably not going that direction for them, okay? But what I'm not going to do, for example, I, if somebody asks me, would you, and I've, I've been asked this, would you do this funeral for this person you don't know? And then I find out, you know, they were an atheist and they never went to church and they cursed God their whole life. And they're like, you know, so can you talk about how they're in heaven? That's a tough deal <laughs> because I can't. But I also can't stand there and say, I know where they spend eternity. I know what the Bible tells me. I know it doesn't look good. But I also know I'm not the judge. And so God is the judge of the heart and our motivation. So we do everything we can to win people to Christ and know. But at the same time, do I know that in their very last breath they weren't like, Lord, forgive me, like the thief on the cross, and, and, and went a new direction? I don't know that. Can't, can we know that? No, we can't. So, uh, and, and there's balance in that. You know, we can be sure. Like, I don't think Judas probably made it into the gates of glory. Bible gives no indication of a last moment of repentance. But at the same time, the Bible doesn't say where he spent eternity, does it? I mean, it kind of indicates it when Jesus says it's better had he never been born. So we can be pretty sure he's not doing well right now. But at the same time, we just choose not to sit in the judgment seat of where somebody went into eternity after they went home, after they went into eternity. So we don't choose somebody's eternal position we don't we just don't make that judgment we want you to know Jesus and walk with him and if you don't you are not going to be with him in eternity now that being said I won't be the one sitting on the throne judging your life do you understand does that make sense I want to be clear I don't want to be vague or or weird it's very clear we need to know Jesus John 3, 3 says it, to receive the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. You must be a follower of Jesus and accept him into your heart and life. But, that being said, where and how you did that, I can't know that. That's between you and the Lord. Right? Yeah. We've, we've all known a few people who, on their deathbed, were like, I'll say the sinner's prayer. And even that person, do we always know? Or were they like, man, I need to get out of hell free card. And did they really want to follow Jesus? I don't know. Again, that's determining, that's judging their heart. I know a few people who've done that over the years who are like, uh, yeah, I'll say the prayer. Just any kind of, you know, eternal insurance. But I, I can't know that. What I can know is they said the prayer, we did our job, hopefully they meant it, they wanted Jesus in their heart, and then... On the other side, that's between them and the Lord. And praise God, he's a perfect father and a perfect judge. He doesn't judge anything wrongly. Everything God judges is perfect. Now some of us, we don't want any form of judgment. Well, if God was good, he wouldn't judge me. 
there's a real irony in that statement. <laughs> because he's God. If he's God and establishes the universe, then he also establishes the rule of the universe, doesn't he? Right? For example, you can say, I don't want God to judge me. I think it's wrong for him to. Okay. Then I could also say, I think it's wrong for God to only let me jump this high. That's God being awfully judgy. Why? Because he set the rules for gravity in the universe. There are measurements. But the best part is God's measurements are perfect. It's not like ours, you know. It's not like the guy who did the job in his own basement and, you know, the drywall came further and further away from the studs, you know, like that. It's not like that. He's a perfect judge. He knows what he, his measurements are perfect. His judgments are perfect. And what we do is we get it wrong in our judgments. A lot of times, here's what happens. We see a picture. And, and this picture is a landscape, right? It's it's something, you know, that we see part of it where, like, a storm is coming, it's bad, it's going to be ugly, I don't like that person, they're not nice, they, you know, they have the wrong resting face, I, I, bet, I bet they worship the devil, <laughs> right? You ever seen that? Uh, I had a lot of friends in high school that, um, uh, you know, they wore the all black, I wasn't one of them, they wore the all black, back fingernails, black, and then they wore a pentagram, and they're like, they're a Satanist. They weren't a Satanist. Sometimes they were Wiccans, and sometimes they were just a really good deal at Hot Topic that weekend. <laughs> and they were in on it, right? But people would judge them, right? Now, that being said, did they invite a level of judgment? They kind of did, right? Like, if, you, if I dress like this, you probably don't. If I look like this, you probably assume he doesn't play in the NBA. <laughs> that guy. I, that's a fair judgment. Okay, I don't. If, if they dress in all black, well, that, you know, they're probably not in church every Sunday. Maybe, maybe not. But they would be judged by part of that picture. But interestingly enough, this isn't the whole picture. This is the whole picture. Go ahead and click on it, guys. Thank you. There's the whole picture. A lot of times we see part of it and we think we have the whole. And we almost never do. That happens a lot right now. We hear of a story in the news. We know what it means. We know who's guilty. We know what needs to happen to all these people. This is wrong. How dare they? How many times in history, over and over, has a side been revealed <laughs> or something come out, and then sure enough, over enough time, we realize that wasn't the story. Let me, let me give you an example, okay? Uh, on the same day that construction began on the Berlin Wall, the Berlin Wall, if you are young, okay, at the end of World War II, Germany, basically, for fear of them uprising again, Germany has had its issues. I'm part German, okay? So relax if you're going to be all defensive about Germany, although you really can't be, <laughs> right? I'm part German, like, we're not going to defend it. <laughs> They helped cause two giant world wars, okay? World War I, you guessed it, World War II, okay? So they basically, the world, the League of Nations, had decided we, we can't let them be a unified country for now. And, uh, and so 
Russia basically took over half the country, East Germany, and the, the Western world let basically Germany govern itself, and that was West Germany, and they divided it by a wall. But here's what happened. On the same day construction began on the Berlin Wall, German communist leader Walter Ulbricht publicly claimed that nobody has the intention of building a wall. They were building it when he said that. Wall stood, for, of course, for almost 30 years, and, and finally it was brought down. But we were like, they told us. This leader told us. They won't do this. As if a government leader hadn't told the truth. Anyway, all right, we're going to keep going. Uh, Smith Woodward, check this out. There was a fragmented skull found. Uh, Smith Woodward reconstructed the skull fragments and hypothesized that they belonged to a human ancestor from 500,000 years ago, uh, 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 half a billion years ago. And they believed this was the link between ape and man. This discovery was announced at a geological society meeting and was given the Latin name Eranthropus Dawsoni, Dawson's Dawn Man, because Dawson's the guy who helped discover it. The, question, the questionable significance of the assemblage remained the subject of considerable controversy until in 1953 it was discovered as a forgery found to have consisted of the altered mandible and some teeth of an orangutan deliberately combined the cranium with the fully developed, though small-brained, modern human. It's called the Piltdown hoax. But it became popular because evolution had become a popular theory, which, by the way, it still is a theory. But this was, for many years, considered science. We have discovered, we have proven, this is the bridge from ape to man. A little while later, maybe not. <laughs> so that's what happens, right? Okay, uh, I'll throw this one in here. This, you may not like this, but I'm going to throw it up there anyway because I just want to poke at it. Lockdowns. This came out this week. Only reduced COVID deaths by about 0.2%. John Hopkins' study finds, and John Hopkins went on to say that it actually did quite a bit more damage than good, the lockdowns. And if you're, some of you want to blame the current president, you should know it's the last president who also put them in place. So, i.e., the government doesn't always know what it's doing. I know, that's a horrible thing to say. You can take that off the screen. Let's stop making everybody mad. Um, I put this on Facebook earlier this week, and I think this is what, one of the things we need to understand from this scripture. Knowledge questions fairly, truth withstands challenges, and wisdom waits. A wise person waits. We don't make quick judgments. It's foolishness. Now look, if you're seasoned and experienced in certain things, you've grown a level of discernment and understanding. But we have to be wise in the judgments we make. Quick judgments are usually wrong. And it happens so often. We do it so much now. Right? How many videos of something posted online from one angle of one person's phone and we're like, that's it, that's what happened and we're going we're gonna to do something about that. And then, you know, a week later, a few days later, some other angle of the phone is showing and they're like, oh, that's not what happened. 
something else happened, right? Because we're only seeing part of the picture. There's some people who come to thrive, and they're like, church in a gym, I'm out of here. And then there's some people who come to thrive, and they're like, that person put their hand in the air instead of putting their hands right here. I can't go to church here, <laughs> right? How many people have done that? Don't raise your hand, <laughs> right? But it happens. We make fast, quick judgments. When I was a kid, I was told, you know, everybody from a certain denomination, they weren't really Christ followers. Those were bad judgments. Bad. Horrible. We are so quick to judge wrongly, and there are certain judgments we're allowed to make that Jesus even encourages, and we... We often make judgments instead of discernments. Instead of discerning something, understanding something wisely, and recognizing we condemn it. We classify it. We put it in the box, put it on the shelf, and say, that's all it is. Even right now, you're taught societally, you know, you are, you are white, you're black, you're you're. You're this color, you're that group, you're gay, you're straight, you're trans, you're... These are all judgments. They are classifications of... And to me, and not to me, but I believe biblically, it's an undermining of the design of God, of the complexity and beauty of the individual. You are so much more than a race, a sexuality... A gender, a, 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 an economic group, you are infinitely more because you're designed by God. You're far more than that. And we devalue one another when we say that's who they are. They're right, they're left. Nobody's just those things. No one. I don't know anybody who votes a certain way and they all have the same favorite color. Not one. I don't know anybody who, I remember, I'm going to pick on her a little bit. This is kind of funny. She, but my wife's got a great sense of humor about herself. I don't. Don't joke about me. Okay, so. <laughs> but one time uh, at, at a previous church, I was, I was heading up a small group meeting. Some of you heard this story. And I was meeting with all the small group leaders. And we got the good pizza. Now, everybody from here, is pizza a big deal? Thank you. All right. See, I'm right. Okay, so, so, and I grew up here. Pizza's a big deal. Now, I lived away from here for a lot of years, but pizza's a big deal. Now, we all have our favorite place, place right? What's your favorite pizza place? Yell it out. Wow, there's a lot of Lou Malnati's. Okay. Um, anybody else? Where else? Papa Joe's? Okay. Did you say Chinese? <laughs> I gotta try that place. <laughs> Dominoes. Ah, uh, well, let's pray for him. God will do work in his heart. All right, we all have we all have our favorite place, right? And here's the thing. So we're, I had gotten good pizza that day. I forgot where I got it from, but it was good pizza. It was either Giordano's or Lou's. And uh, and and everybody was kind of going, and that started the conversation across the room. Everybody's favorite. Now, my wife is from uh, a small town outside Madison, Wisconsin. Pizza up there is not the deal that it is here, <laughs> okay? Here, pizza's important, okay? There's, 
You know, there's church, there's coffee, there's pizza. There's, you know, the trinity of the Chicago believer. And, and, and you ever have one of those moments where everybody's talking and you say something that you only want the immediate people to hear, but the room goes silent, just a collective, and literally the room goes silent, and my wife says very loudly, I don't get it, it's just pizza. She was judged that day. <laughs> Many faces turned and like, what did you just say? It's just it's just a car. It's just, it's just a country. You're like, you just didn't say that. And, and they, she was harshly judged that day. It wasn't fair. It wasn't right. Uh, and she's, she's really grown. They're actually, she has places she likes now. Lose, lose is a big one. She, she wouldn't necessarily pick pizza first, but she will sometimes have a craving. God, God's working on her. And so what don't judge means first is don't judge don't judge means don't impute motives and meaning. We have to start with what we don't do. Because when we impute, when we condemn somebody's heart, that is ungrace. When we've decided who they are and who they're not based on something they did, didn't do, behaviors, it's ungrace. What's funny, I went to Bible college, and I love Bible college. It was an amazing time in my life. It was, it was so great. But, but I remember there were some students there, like just no grace at all. And I was sometimes one of them. But my, my, my ungrace is always over stupid stuff. So, some of them, you know, it was like if you didn't read this version of the Bible, and if you weren't fully reformed, or if you weren't a Calvinist, they, they just condemned everybody else. And I remember what's funny, one of my friends went up to one of those more Calvinist guys, and they're like, why did you even come here? If you believe some of these things, and you're going to condemn everybody else, and the only person who's right is you, right? Is that the position we want to be in? The problem with imputing everybody's motives is there's no humility in it. We don't look like Jesus in that moment. We look like the Pharisees. When everybody else is wrong, I actually had somebody tell me this once, I can't be a Pharisee, I have tattoos. That was the statement they made while impugning the motives of everyone who disagreed with them. I just remember thinking, listen to yourself. You've literally made up legalistic laws that says, if I do such thing, i.e. get a tattoo or have a glass of wine, therefore I can't be legalistic. So now, that affords me the right to condemn this group of people I don't like. It's just new Phariseeism. We can all do it. I can do it too. We all do it. For example, if you are wearing a mask in your car, alone, it's real easy for me to think a negative thought about you. You're like, that's terrible. I can't believe he just said that. I did. I said it. It drives me crazy. But I'm wrong, not them. That's my problem. And God quickens and convicts me, like, what are you doing? Why are you judging their heart? Why are you judging their life? Stop it. I'm not discerning anything about them besides they have something on their face. 
That's it. That's all I know. Who knows? Maybe it's stuck there. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe they just forgot they had it on. Maybe they deal with tremendous anxiety that I know nothing about, that is crushing to them, and they can't shake it even though they want to. It's amazing how much of a picture we don't know. Has anybody ever gotten in your face, like, or a teller in a store, and you're just like, man, they're just the worst. I can't believe this person. But did we ever stop and think, what if they're having the worst day of their life? What if they were just told somebody died? We don't know. There's so much we don't know. And it's not that we can't, are they being rude? They might, you may be totally justified that they're being rude. They're being cold. The difference is you can say they're being rude and cold without saying they are rude and cold. See the difference? One says, I don't care for what they're doing. The other person says, I don't care for who they are. I'm not impugning their motives in their heart. That's what we need to watch in our own hearts. Some of you, anybody here ever apologize to you? Sometimes your kids apologize and they're like, I'm sorry. And you're like, you're not sorry. <laughs> you don't know what sorry is. I will teach you the meaning of Sorry. <laughs> We all do it sometimes. And in that moment, here's what we're doing. We're judging their heart. Now, sometimes we know our kids, right? We know when our kid's not sorry often, right? But sometimes we're like, well, they didn't mean it. I've seen it in the church a lot where it's like, I don't think they really repented. Oh, man, that's a big one, isn't it? They didn't really repent. I remember every time I've ever heard that, I'm always like, What? (laughs) Back that up. Based on what list do you know if they are sad or repentant before the Lord for what they did? Well, just the way they're acting. How are they acting? Well, like it wasn't a big deal. Says who? Me. (laughs) Right? That's, That's usually the end of the conversation. We have judged them so much by what they did or didn't do. We've measured their level of repentance. What a mistake. Would you realize in that moment we're sitting in the judgment seat? Jeremiah 17, 9 says, well, I know they haven't repented. Here's what Jeremiah 17, 9 says. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? We don't know when somebody really repented or not. That's between them and the Lord. They could have done everything on the list that we all expected them to do, and in their heart of hearts, they think they're not wrong. And they could have done virtually nothing, and behind closed doors, when nobody is watching, they were wrecked before the Lord, laid bare, and and cried out and said, God, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. We don't know. We can't do it. It's not good. The only one who knows how wicked and the motivations of the heart is the Lord. Don't judge also means don't forget our own faults and failures. Right? He goes on to talk about taking the speck out of somebody else's eye when you have a plank in your own. (laughs) Nate, you want to help me out here for a second? 
So if, if Nate comes up here, and, and here's what Jesus is saying by that, okay? Here's what it is. It would be like me coming up to him and being like, hey, Nate, you got something in your glasses. I can see it. It's right there. You got to fix it. No, 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 don't pay attention to that. It's right here. You, you, you probably aren't, you're going to get in an accident. You've got to take care of that. That seems like a bigger deal. No, no, there's nothing there. It's this right here. That's your problem. So that's what Jesus is saying to us. We have this thing in our own eye, and we're calling out somebody else. Thanks, man. <laughs> Love you. We do this all the time. Some people make it their ministry. (laughs) My ministry is calling people out. (laughs) Let me just give you a side note. Nobody likes self-appointed ministers. (laughs) Let the Lord promote you. Let the church and leadership affirm you. Don't put yourself, I'm a self-appointed prophet. Yeah, then you're, 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 you can keep your prophecy to yourself. Okay, like we do it all the time. We call out people for their stuff and we never look at our own. Why don't we do that? Why don't we look at ourselves? A lot of times, do we need to critique things? Do we need to discern things? Do we need to, do we need to hold people accountable? Are there rules and things we need to follow? Look, we're not... We don't believe the Old Testament is thrown out. We're not antinomianists. If you don't know what that word means, look it up. It's a, it's a big, fat biblical term, but it basically means the, the Old Testament matters. The Big Ten, the Ten Commandments matter. Okay? We, we have not thrown that out. Okay? But with that said, we can't sit in the place that says, I, I know your motivations and your heart and all things, because... When we offer critique, we have to do it when God places us and purposes us for that and with humility. We offer critique and correction only when God has put us in the right position and not with piety but humility. That's when we offer it. Now look, we all screw up, we all do things in anger and then we ask for forgiveness. But how many of us offer forgiveness and, and understanding and offer correction or direction from a place of humility that says, hey, I'm trying to help you. Hey, I do love you. Some of us do the other thing, right? Like, you're the worst, I can't stand you, and you're so deceived. But I want you to know that Jesus loves you, and so do I. <laughs> that, that, that's not Christian. That's not Christ-like. Jesus isn't in that. That's wrong. It's incorrect. But from the one that sits you down and says, hey, I want, I want you to understand something. And I love you. Those are the best ones, right? We talked about that not that long ago. The ones who say, you know, the ones who offer that with a level of humility and understanding. So let me ask you this question. We'll move on. Let me ask you this. When you offer teaching, would people say that you are teachable? If you're not known as teachable, you shouldn't be teaching. If you're not known to take correction or apologize, some of you know those people. Don't point, okay? Don't look at your spouse. But how many of us know somebody, I don't think they've ever apologized in their life. 
Not just to me, to anyone. I've never seen them say, I'm sorry. Maybe to their dog. That's it. <laughs> right? They just, they never say they're sorry. You know who I'm talking about? Dan, that's who I'm talking No, <laughs> we don't do that. But we all know that person, don't we? The person who never apologizes is usually the person who judges wrongly on a regular basis. Every one of us should be people who are willing to say, hey, I'm sorry. I'll give you this tip, and then I'm going to move on. Years ago, I was taught this, actually. A lot of times, when you hurt someone's feelings, you just say you're sorry. If they say, hey, this really hurt my feelings, I'm sorry. You say, well, it's not my fault their feelings got hurt. Okay, but did you intend to hurt their feelings? No, then apologize for it. Well, I'm not wrong, though. My point is right. I didn't say apologize for your point. I said apologize for hurting their feelings because that's the, that's the thing that happened that went wrong. Well, I didn't do it. It's their fault. Who cares whose fault it is? This isn't about fault. This is about freedom and the humility to say, I never meant to harm you emotionally. That's going to happen. If you're married, you should have learned this by now. If you want to stay married, learn this. Because sometimes you're going to convey something. You'll be like, honey, can you put that away? And here's what they heard. Honey, you never put anything away. And I think you hate me. <laughs> right? That's, what like, that's not what I said, though. But it's how they heard it. Well, that's their problem. I'm sorry you had feelings about it. Man, never apologize that way. Never say, I'm sorry you felt that way. <laughs> you might as well be saying, I'm sorry you have bad feelings and you're a broken human being. <laughs> Must be rough. <laughs> like, that's, that's what we're saying in that moment. But instead, offer them freedom from judgment that says, you know what, that hurt you. I recognize that. Your feelings are real and I'm sorry. Just the humility to own that we can hurt people, whether we intended to or not. That's what the log in versus the speck is. The log isn't, doesn't mean you always have something wrong so you can never say anything. The log means have the self-awareness and humility to know that you and I are equally broken and equally in need of a Savior. So if we offer hope and humility and, and, and critique and instruction, we do so from the position of saying, I know I'm broken too. And wrapping it up, don't judge means don't counsel those who don't want it. Don't offer counsel, direction, instruction to somebody who doesn't want it. Jesus wraps up with saying, don't throw your pearls before swine. Anybody heard that phrase before? Didn't know it came from the Bible? Anybody here got pearls on right now? Anyone? Anyone? Nobody? Okay. Not a popular thing now. Right? Here's the thing. What does that mean? Well, here's what it means. What it means is you wouldn't, you wouldn't take jewelry and be like, here, give it to a pig. Here's why. He could have said any animal. He said a pig because a pig literally will eat anything. Anybody who knows anything about farming, you put, if you put another dead pig in front of a pig, they'll eat it. 
I know it's gross, and you're like, uh, but remember, they make bacon, so it's okay. But <laughs> we, 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 they will eat anything. It's just the nature of, they are an anything feeder. They will eat up anything. They're kind of gross that way. And Jesus is saying, those who won't take any kind of instruction, you've got to have the wisdom and discernment to know who will and won't take discernment and the judgment to know who is a receptive person and who isn't. Because if you offer that, they'll eat it up. They will destroy the thing you gave them. And not only that, you're going to hinder the relationship. I think Proverbs says it this way. 9.8, don't bother correcting mockers. They'll only hate you. Correct the wise and they'll love you. Some of you have been on job sites or on a, a, on a job somewhere and you're training somebody and they just know everything. They know all the things, right? And you're like, oh my gosh. Alan's called me a couple times when he's training a guy on the job and they're just like, oh man. <laughs> you know? And if you're on the wrong job site, they can kill everybody, right? They can kill all the people if they don't know how to do it. And yet we've got to treat and train them in love. But don't get me wrong. When there's a safety issue, it doesn't matter how they receive the information. They need to hear it. But at the same time, you realize sometimes you've got to let just somebody fail. You've got to let them do something wrong. So when I'm teaching my kids to drive... If they need to brake, I'm not always nice. Sometimes I'm like, brake! And that seems abrasive. It seems kind of judgy. And it is. My judgment is I don't want to die. That's my judgment there. But I also know they'll receive that instruction. I won't take them out driving if I don't believe they will break when I tell them to. That's important. They are wise enough to receive that instruction. Praise God, I'm still here. So we, we know that they have received that instruction, at least so far. <laughs> right? But there are some people you offer direction to. There was a young man who came into my office quite a few years ago. And as he came in, um, he actually wasn't that young. He was only a couple years younger than me. And he decided he was going to start dating uh, a girl that we had mentored and pastored. My bad discernment was he came with the best of intentions. And so I gave him far too much information. And it all blew up in my face. Now it worked out, and I had the humility years later to apologize so that there could be a semblance of relationship there and friendliness. But what I realized is they didn't want instruction. They wanted admonition. They did not want any instruction. They weren't ready to hear it. They didn't want it. Now, I'm not saying they were full. They, they're still married. They, they ended up doing great, and I'm happy for them. But we have to be wise to know when instruction is wanted and when it isn't. I learned a really hard lesson. When somebody's in love, basically try and get them to bring it under the light of God's covenant and blessing. But otherwise, they're just not going to listen to you because they're in love. And they just know all the things now. <laughs> 
We're in love. Don't try and stop our love. <laughs> right? Everybody thinks they're Romeo and Juliet when you say, I don't know if this is a great idea. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just everybody thinks that. And so I, I learned a hard lesson like, man, you know, offer the wise and earn it in somebody's life. I used to give all kinds of advice to nobody who asked. <laughs> right? We've all done it, right? I came out of Bible college knowing all the things. I knew nothing, but I was convinced I know it. What is it between the ages of 18 and like 28 that you just, you're convinced I know everything? I really know lots of, you don't know. I know. Right? I don't know what it is. It's just a thing that's, it's, it's something, it's, it's, it's part of the fall. It's after, it's a result of Adam and Eve in the garden and just something between that age. You just think you know everything and you judge everything rightly. But man, there, there's a level of, you can't speak to it. Right now, okay, I've, I've learned uh, we don't engage in fights online. Because I've not met almost anyone whose mind has been changed through a Facebook thread exchange. I haven't met them. And some of you would be like, I'm that person. And I would be like, I'm judging you and I think you're lying. That's, that's where I'm at. I don't, think you're, I don't think it's true. Most of the time our minds aren't changed. We make the wrong judgments there. I want to make the right ones with people. I want to do it in humility. I want to offer direction. And I don't want to assume somebody's heart. I really don't. And some of us, you're either one of two people in here today. You're off, you, you make a lot of judgments, and a lot of times they're wrong. You call it discernment, but you're just being judgmental. Or number two, you're kind of foolish. You're kind of naive. Because often we live in the extremes. You just assume everybody's great. Everybody's just nice. They meant well. And you have no concept. And ironically, you've gotten in a lot of trouble thinking that way. A lot of people have burned you, hurt you, abused you, left you. And you're like, well, why, why isn't everybody nice? Because we're all sinners. And then the other side of it that says, ah, oh, everybody's the worst. They're all sinners. And the Lord would speak to you and say, yeah, but I love them. And I see good in them because I made them. Just heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're on that side where you're like, I've made a lot of judgments about a lot of people. Maybe you've even made it about yourself. I'm the worst. And the Lord just wants to heal that in your life and set you free and say, hey, stop judging my kid. Stop thinking the worst all the time. It's not made your life any better. It's not protected you from anything. It's just insulated you from good things. And if that's you today and you're just like, God, would you undo that in my heart and life? Put your hand up, put it back down. Nobody's looking around. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe you're the other end. You've just been naive. Everything is awesome, but people keep stepping all over me, and I don't get it because you just haven't learned how to discern things rightly. Now realize people are broken, and you're like, God, would you, would you mature me to see people as you do with 
with humility, but with also some wisdom and not cast my pearls before swine. If that's you, put your hand up. Put it back down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord wants to set you free from condemnation. Lord wants to set you free from being foolish and unwise. I pray that for everybody in this room today. I pray that you would set them free. Set their hearts free from being condemned. And that they would be able to walk in forgiveness. There's somebody in here today, somebody abused you, maybe even sexually. The Lord would say, I want you to forgive them. And you're saying, how can you even ask me that? I'm not asking you that. The Lord asks you that. And it's not because God wants you to say what they did was right or no big deal, but because the Lord wants you to say, give me judgment. I'm a perfect judge. I'll take care of it. You hand it over. You forgive them so that I can judge them. And if that's you today, this is between you and the I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Just let the Lord do business in you. And there's one other person in here today who you were just naive and people walked all over you. You've cast, you've taken a lot of trusting things and given them to just anybody. And then they abused it. And you're like, how could they do that? It's, it's because you didn't know not to cast pearls before swine. I can be like that sometimes. I can actually be very trusting. And I'll say too much because I think, well, they're, they won't use this wrongly. But if that's you, and the Lord's wanting to heal your heart, of giving your treasure to somebody who abused it. The Lord wants, that, that word's for you. The Lord said, let me heal that. Let me teach you about discernment. You can trust me. You don't have to trust all the people all the time, but you can trust him all the time. Do that work in this place in Jesus' name, God. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray for you. And then when I say amen, you're welcome to stay in worship you're free to go. Lord bless you and keep you this week. May encourage your hearts. May you leave refreshed, renewed. May you know that God doesn't sit in judgment over you if you've accepted him into your heart. But if you haven't, you're already standing in judgment with the Lord, not because he wants to, but because you need to ask him into your heart and life to follow him. And I would tell you, you can do that right now, right here today. If that's you, and you're like, God, come into my heart and life, just say that prayer in your heart. Father, forgive me of my sins. Be the God of my life. I want to follow you. I want to be seen as your son or daughter, not on judgment. And that this week we would walk in freedom, the freedom to not judge people, to not condemn their life or their soul, but to also the wisdom to know who to offer life and direction to and who to say, God, you're going to have to deal with them when they're ready. And we would do that in all joy, in all freedom, and healing in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Have a great week. Next week is RFK Sunday. Bake sale. Bring money. <laughs> and we hope you have an awesome week. Thank you for coming.
Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10. Take me to the deep.